Welcome to the Growth Hacking Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ivan Palomino. This podcast is about thought-provoking ideas to scale up and growth hack performing and human-centric work cultures. My guests are experts on mindsets, skills, and science behind work cultures. I hope you enjoy this episode. So, in fact, I don't know if you guys still remember the highlights in the news about people quitting at record levels. So that was only last year. And the thing is that this is not over. Companies are still trying to attract and retain employees in the same old ways, despite that they're still living. So that's, that makes that two out of five employees are still thinking of quitting. That's like global statistics by McKinsey. Um, and kind of half of them uh, who don't have a job, so they, they're thinking about quitting, half of them, they choose to return to the workforce. However, only 29% return to the traditional full-time em employment. And it is very difficult to understand that this trend is con continuous and we are, companies are still using the same traditional way of attracting and retaining. So, and I wanted to have a discussion with someone who has not only the heart, the mind and experience in career crafting, Randy Roberts today in this episode of Growth Hacking uh, Culture in order to discuss a little bit further about the topic and see what alternatives we have as employees and also what alternatives have organizations in, in order to, to uh, stop struggling with this trend. Now, this topic, the topic today is going to be should organizations retain or not their people. Uh, let me tell you a little bit more about Randy. So Randy has kind of like the good exceptional career and at, at executive executive level in various pharmaceutical companies, uh, which, by the way, one of them is in my country, in, um, in Switzerland, Novartis. I have seen the, uh, the building several times. And by the way, for some of you, Novartis is not German. It is Swiss. That's uh, number one. Number two, so Randy has her own podcast uh, that is called The Fulfilling Career, The Happy Life Podcast. Um, and today, in fact, she's mainly focused after her ex exceptional career into helping C-suite level executives into getting into uh, in shape in terms of their career, helping them, coaching them in her own company that is called Randy Roberts Coaching. Randy, thank you very much for being today with me, with us, in fact. And tell me one thing. So after spending so much time with people, understanding what they want, how to get fulfilling lives in, uh, with their careers, what do you think are the major reasons for people that want to change jobs today? It's a great question, Yvonne. And first, thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. It's, it's hard to generalize one reason I think there's, you know, there, there are always many reasons, but if I could put a theme around it, it would be people are more focused than ever on having a rounded life. 
and making sure, you know, in a corporate career, I, I know for myself and many of my clients, we spend more waking hours devoted to our company than to our family, mm. right? And so if that environment is fulfilling and energizes you, you things are wonderful. And in those moments or those situations where it's draining and it's it's just a chore and maybe it's even toxic, mm. it colors your whole life. And so I think these days, maybe the pandemic gave people more time and, and permission, if you will, to be reflective and that people are seeking that out more than ever. And honestly, it's music to my ears because it's what I want for people. I want people to jump out of bed in the morning and be energized by their work and maybe be exhausted, but in the right ways. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's possible. So, so if I were to generalize it, people are seeking that to a greater degree than ever before. So I, I like that you, that you mentioned the fact that the pandemic has got one positive effect is that people have been a little bit more reflective. So it's kind of like while they were at, in the usual work pre-pandemic, they had forgotten how beautiful it is to enjoy life with the kids with sometimes with their wives or sometimes in a hobby that they enjoy and they had the time to say hey maybe there is other alternative than being at work uh, in exchange of a salary of perks of bonuses and maybe fulfillment is more than just uh, accomplishing a certain status through work i have the impression that that was the positive side of, of the pandemic I agree with that. And look, there are some people that were home that in some ways worked more than ever. So I don't want to discount that. But I do think that that's a positive that came out of it is people realizing that the the search for dollars is not everything. And so, and then there's two sides of it. There's the, what do you enjoy about your life? But then there's the, that feeds the work side of things. If you're happier, if you have time to recharge your batteries, I say, be with your friends, read interesting things, whatever that is for you, it fuels your creative side and it makes you better at your work. So I think people are giving themselves permission to do that more. And smart companies are facilitating that kind of culture. It builds loyalty. It builds productivity. It it does all the right things. So your question to start was, should companies be trying to retain their people or should we adapt this culture where people are a bit on a revolving door? I'd say a little bit of both, but I lean way towards retaining your people, retaining the right people. That that would be good. But I think that that we have even more to dig on, on that on, on that topic because certain Absolutely. is unavoidable. I, I don't know if you remember, Randy, there was... Once upon the time, uh, beginning of the 2000s, everybody said, yes, we want to have meaningful relationships. It has to be through physical. We need to spend people face to face. And suddenly there was social media and everything went to hell. And at all ages, in fact, we devote more time our, of our share of time connecting or trying to connect with people in a different manner. We can be critical about the way social media has influenced our lives, but it's an unavoidable trend, and we, whatever we we want, we uh, we wish for the future, and sometimes that we have to cope with the changes of of life, and that's why I thought that this question it needs to be a little bit more, ha, 
research than uh, than than that because I was super disappointed. I really thought in the in the two thousands that people were going to keep this hardcore of people that do not go into social media, but still not today, there is more or less 80% of the developed world who is in social media. So that's that gives me a little bit of questions for, uh, for the future. Um, do you have the impression that post this period of great resignation that started maybe in, in, the, uh, in 2020 and it has progressed still in 2021, um, that with the people that you are interacting with, the trend has stabilized that there is less people who wants to leave, or maybe there is different reasons why people want to leave their work. Yeah, it's a good question. And the statistics that you cited in the beginning reflect that there's still many, many people that are wanting to leave. I think maybe what's changed is during the pandemic, look, that was such a shock to the system, to us collectively. It impacted different people differently, but it impacted everyone significantly. And I think there was some reflex there. I think there were some people that, you know, turned inward in a, in a way that was forced, if you will, and made some reflexive decisions about changes that they wanted to make, or perhaps the nature of their work, it didn't suit them to work from home, those kinds of things. Mm. So I think we've worked past that trend, but I, I think there are still people that are asking questions about what's deeply meaningful for them. And are they committed enough to the mission of their company, to the culture of their company, to who their company is, is that the right place for them? And I think they're more willing to make changes if the answer is no, or I'm not sure. Huh. You are right, in fact. And I have the impression that the core of people who are considering to leave uh, is the same people that maybe six months ago, one year ago, were having hope that because people were leaving, cultures were going to become healthier. So it means that in corporations that haven't done anything to change uh, their culture, that to be more adaptable, more flexible, uh, well, these people at one moment are going to leave because they had enough and the salary doesn't compensate or the, or the I would say the fear of losing their financial stability uh, is not going to be enough to cover up for the human needs that 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 we have, which is to feel in a place where we feel comfortable, like being in a family, like being a, sitting in a table with our mother, father, spouses, and, and 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 children. So, and that expectation, if it is not fulfilled, that is going to create the soon-to-come wave of resignations. I think there's absolutely truth in what you're saying. I think um, people are asking these questions. I think one of the dynamics, certainly in the U.S., is that the job market's very strong, which gives people confidence to take a risk and make a change that that they can fix it if it's not the right change. So I think that's one dynamic. And I think there are a lot of people like, look, the, I'm speaking in generalizations, but if you look at younger folks in their 20s and even 30s, the dynamics are a little bit different. They're not uh, they're not buying huge houses. They're not uh, 
burdening themselves with a very heavy overhead, if you will, mm. so that they're in a position to be a bit more flexible. Now there's exceptions, of course, but I think those choices are purposeful. I think they want the flexibility to be able to go. I, I was with a client yesterday who um, is, uh, she's on the partner track at a big consulting firm. And she's at the point where she's having to ask, wait a minute, I'm going to have to invest so much in getting to what this goal is here. Do I want to do this here or do I want to leave now and do this somewhere else? And so, you know, those are big, very big strategic questions. And let's not forget, Yvonne, that the number one reason that people will leave a job or a company is what they describe as a bad boss. Yes. So if it's someone that doesn't develop them, that doesn't take an interest in them, that doesn't know anything about them, that seemingly doesn't care about them and isn't values aligned to them, people will feel much less loyalty in the past and they'll go. I, I, I love what you say. This is totally true about the, the main reason to leave is the boss, which is in fact a reflection of the work culture because you have a bad boss because the organization is allowing him, enabling him to be a bad boss and nobody's paying attention. Or they are saying, okay, maybe he's a bad boss or he's not that awesome with people, but he has great results. What the hell, he has to stay. Now, I want to look at the other side. And I mean, it's out of the blue, this, this question, because, but it's something that is important, especially for me, because for a long time, the major reason to, for staying in um in an environment that wasn't fitting me uh it was the fear of my the fear of losing money the, of the of my financial stability you know you, we put so much crap in our heads about yes i need that because the family because of the future because i i took i, I made an investment because my wife needs me as a man wow still at uh, I'm still with the man, uh, uh, woman uh, story. Uh, needs me, the man, to be fulfilling for for uh, financially for for the for the home, uh, and we we fear of losing the family of because of money. So, yeah. what would you recommend to people who has that specific fear, which is so strong, you cannot believe? Because we believe that life cannot be the same if we lose our package, uh, our financial package. Uh, so what would you recommend to people in that state? I think it's an important question because, and, and where it starts and where so many things start is knowing yourself and knowing what your own motivation is and your own situation. So if I take my own situation for me, all the years that I was in corporate, I was so fortunate once once my husband and I had children, he stayed home nice. and I was the one on the career track. So it was wonderful because we had a very well-rounded life. However, the burden was on me, if you will, to provide for the family. So it was not just, wait a minute, I'm taking a risk on salary and benefits and things that provides for my family, but it was also my self-identity not just as a successful career woman, but also the person that my family could count on. Then roll back the tape even further. Many of us have these messages from when we're children, even where you raised in 
privilege or scarcity? Were there traumatic events in your life that dial up your need for security and make you less risk tolerant? So what's really important, as in so many things, is to know your individual needs and motivation. And then and then you weigh the risk benefit. Are you needing something else, something other than what you have in your current situation enough to outweigh your need for security, perhaps? And you can only answer that question for yourself. Mm. But even though you say you can answer by on your own, it's not always easy. It's like when we are self-reflecting on that, we it's almost like having dirty glasses. We don't see the reality as it is because the fear is making everything look a little bit different than reality. And, and that's where people like you, coaches, have the, I mean, the, it comes at hand. It comes really necessary to have someone to bounce ideas and yes. help us driving that reflection because we believe that we need uh in order to survive i don't know 150k dollars per year which is bullshit bingo by the way <clears throat> uh that we need <clears throat> a, a certain a, a house of i don't know 250 square meters to live for a family of three um we we put ourselves so many constraints that we have built in our imagination that this is a necessity when it is at the end, it might be a nice to have. So that's why reflecting together with someone is always helpful. Yeah, I mean, the things that you're saying now, Yvonne, are so important because first of all, in terms of knowing yourself, you have to know what are those, those must haves for you and what are the nice to haves for sure. But in terms of um, the other aspect of it, um, <clears throat> of, you know, working with a coach and being able to talk out those ideas with someone else, it's critical. And look, I'm biased because I've built my company around coaching, mm. but I don't, I don't uh, promote coaching because I'm a coach. I am a coach because I know how much benefit it brought to me in my career and it brings to others. We need to get out of our own heads. Yeah. We could be thinking if if I'm feeling like I need to change, I may need to change jobs. I'm not happy here, but I can't take that risk. It feels so scary. And for many people, that's real. Talking to someone else and sharing the ideas can bring a whole new perspective on it in terms of understanding what your motivations are getting clear on what risk level you're comfortable with, but also just seeing possibilities that you can't possibly see from your own head. Exactly. So absolutely. And coaching isn't the, the only way to do that. It might be with a trusted friend or a colleague or whatever, but seek someone else out. You on your own can't possibly have all the answers and see all the solutions that you can when you're sharing those ideas with someone else. Mm. Uh you're right. So there is always in the population of friends, somebody who has a little bit of wisdom. So in, in my case, out of 10 friends, maybe eight will be just funny. And, but two have a little bit of a level of good wisdom to, to have these type of conversations. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Absolutely. And those are the two that are listening to your podcast, right? <laughs> yes. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's really important to get out of your own head and talk to somebody else um, just, just to share ideas. But, you know, I, I want to say that for people who come down to, 
I don't feel that I can take the risk. That's okay too. You know that you stay where you are, but that doesn't mean ignore the problem. There may be some changes that you can make right where you are to dial up the fulfillment and avoid the risk that's so uncomfortable for you or intolerable for your family. So don't avoid the problem. There's many different ways to solve it. Hmm. Indeed. Uh, coming back to the to the area of at the organizational level, um, can we? Is there anything that companies can, in terms of tangible actions, can start doing to better retain their people? So actions, not concepts, just real actions, so that if there is anyone in the human resources can 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 see and 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 say, oh, this is something an action that I can do tomorrow. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you're really on to something because it comes down to the action. The reality is we can, you know, as company leaders can identify what's the mission of the company, what's the culture we're trying to create. But the reality is culture is what we do. It's not mm. what we say. So if it's not followed up by action, it's empty and you people lose trust. So it is about taking action. It is about the grassroots. It is about talking to people about what they need and creating that environment. An individual boss may have, let's say eight people reporting to them and they may have people reporting to them too, right? You can know your people. You can know what motivates them. You can know what's important to them. You can know what they want for their own growth. You may not be able to fulfill all of that as the boss, but you might be able to point them in the direction. You might be able to connect them with people. And for people just knowing, like there are, I was, I facilitated a leadership team meeting for a, a company leadership team, a big pharma company last week. And the people just spending time together and getting to know each other. I saw somebody light up when the boss asked them, like something about, isn't your daughter's birthday this week? What are you doing? Now, it's not like he remembers all of their kids' birthdays. She happened to say, what are the dates of the meeting? I want to make sure I can be home for my daughter's birthday. And he remembered that and it meant something to her. It was a small thing. It's just paying attention and understanding what there, there are. There was another person in the group who didn't have any need for the chat, the how are you today? What's going on? She, her feeling was, I know you care about me. Let's get down to business. That's the right approach with her. So it's about knowing the individuals and it doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take a lot of money. It's showing that you care. I, I, I love what you say. I, I, I picked on that because it is quite meaningful, meaningful. So we need to remove this big conceptual objectives that we have like improving employee engagement like it doesn't mean anything so you go you hire a consulting company who is going to spend close to half a million to create a program that is a combination of change management and making people happy for uh for short offs with i don't know well-being awareness sessions maybe a big party and and but it is not enough the simple actions that you have mentioned, that the simple action of recognizing, being aware in a holistic manner of the person is not about what did you do today at work, but it's about knowing the person from the different angles, these attitudes, the family that they have behind. These are costless, cost zero, and can be implemented tomorrow. This also, I'm also thinking back in my, in my days in, in the corporate world, 
um, companies spending 200,000 for a report about how we should be driving the culture. And it ended up just with fancy names in the website when nobody could understand the values that were crafted and transform it into actions or behaviors. I, in, in my language, I call it behaviors. So I couldn't relate to certain actions because the values it was not were not understandable and I had to interpret. And on top, at that time, I had a team. And to explain back to, to my team something that I, myself, I didn't understand correctly because it was marketing. It was, it, it looked like it was done by a marketing company. Uh, so I couldn't relate on how I should do it. And I, it was subject to interpretation. So it, it was money spent for nothing. So it is about small micro actions that can be implemented today where you don't have to wait to have a budget to be validated and, and uh, spend it in big, big actions. Because these big actions, sometimes people feel it when it is for the show. It's a thing. Yeah, box. absolutely. And in fact, you lose trust. If you do something big like that and it's not carried through, I think, and what you're saying is very important in terms of the behaviors. I don't want to lose sight of the fact of how important consistency is. And this goes to the genuine nature. Like when I was a boss, I, I did genuinely care about my people. I, I was invested in their development. I recruited them onto the team based on values and, and, and their abilities and things too, of course. But I genuinely cared about it. So it was easy for me to demonstrate. It was easy for me to be consistent because it was genuine. Mm. If you're putting it on, it's much, much harder. Now, there are bosses who are very effective. They deliver, they may care about people, but they demonstrate it in different ways. There are people that are more introverted or whatever. In that case, look around your team. Maybe, you know, if there's the, the senior vice president, I'm making this up, and they have a lot of directors reporting to them. If they are um, more introverted and not as good at demonstrating the caring, there may be one of the directors on their team that's very good at that. And maybe they become the ambassador for the leadership team. And they're the one that's on point to, to remind the boss how these things need to be present. And because not everybody needs it. So you may not remember that other people do, but that awareness that somebody needs to be sort of the ambassador of culture, whatever, everyone needs to live it, but somebody needs to lead it too. So it it all goes back to a point I made before, which is self-awareness, knowing yourself as a leader, knowing what your strengths and what your areas to compensate for are, and putting the right support around you so that you can be the kind of leader that's most effective. Now, if you're a care if you're an uncaring jerk, like it's hard to fix that, right? And they're out there. But if you're a person who has that and has trouble demonstrating it, then the, there's different actions that are warranted. Does that make sense? It makes sense. I'm going to pick on the word consistency because mm. it goes, for me, it goes far beyond just role modeling. I mean, people believe that because the information is somewhere in the intranet or even in the public website of the company that everybody's aware about what are our values. Right. I mean, it is the consistency goes to the to the fact that it needs we as humans in the flow of work we tend to be overloaded with so many things that we have to do that we forget that the how 
in order to create this identity of the organization uh, is forgotten. So the, the job of a leader is also to reinforce continuously the messages about what is the type of team that he wants. This, I don't know, agility, this productiveness, more <clears throat> maybe more caring about customers. So the, there is the role modeling, the intrinsec role of, 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 the, of the boss, but then there is these interactions that at any time it needs to be used in order to reinforce the message that we want collaboration. We hate the marketing team. We are the sales. It doesn't matter. We have to work with them. We need to know what they, uh, what they need and they need to understand what we need. So breaking the silos, if it is about collaboration, for, uh, for instance. Yeah, but, that's very important. It's very important. It's only through repetition that behaviors become natural reflexes. So it, it is a little bit like, I mean, I always give the, the same example and people are going to hear it for the 10th time or more, that I'm an introvert in, in nature, but because I have been practicing a lot, people do not see. Of course, after this uh, this episode, I'm going to be resting because I get tired when I interact too, too long for, with people, but that's my, my nature. But repetition and repetition makes it better. So people yeah. do not see it. Absolutely. And that's what I mean about culture is what we do. People see the proof of it and that kind of thing. And more than that, when people get clear on what that culture is, they will recruit others to the team that fit that culture. And and I don't mean that we should be exclusive. I, I, I understand the value of inclusivity in terms of building a strong business, but it's people that share the same values that share the same commitments that um you when you're clear on what that is what your culture is and what works you'll recruit people that fit that mm, exactly it is it is not about having people from having the same opinions like saying okay all ivy leagues come here or it is because the, this diversity, the consistency of values, you can have it across socioeconomical uh, levels or the diversity of universities, genders, uh, uh, you name it. So that, that is something that is, uh, that is possible to have. It's about the values, consistency in values that you want to maintain in the organization. It's like, if you like sharing, everybody needs to, to, uh, to, to, to like sharing, but it's not about, I'm going to think the same as you just because I'm, we, we are having the same values. No, you're absolutely right, Yvonne. And in fact, that kind of group think, if you will, can be the enemy of productivity and creativity. Mm. The if you look at a lot of books, I mean, the one that I'm thinking about now, because I was doing a program on it last week was the five dysfunctions of a team. And one of them is lack of conflict. And it, it feels a little counterintuitive at first, but if there is no healthy conflict, the right conflict, you're not getting all the ideas out there. You're not pressure testing things. It's so you have to embrace conflict in order to have a strong team. You got to do it in the right way. You know, we're not talking hand-to-hand -hand combat here, but we're talking about uh, avoiding group thinking, making sure that it's the diversity of thought that's coming to the table. Again, I go with my analogy of, of a family. In a family, if you're not yelling a little bit in the, in the table, then it's not really a family. There needs to be a little bit of a spice, a exchange of ideas. But when the moment is tough, you know that you can stand 
on each other. That like you are a team yeah. and uh, in times that is bad, we are going to fight together on towards the uh, whatever is the uh, is the goal or the, or the challenge to be achieved. Family is like that. We need to fight a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because being in the U.S., it's one of the reasons that I love ethnic groups so much because they're more emotional and they're more in general uh, <laughs> eager to uh, to do that fighting. And be my, I'm from a Jewish heritage, and yeah, you know, it's in in many different heritages. It's about the dinner table and it's about coming together around food and things like that. But yeah, it's about the yelling. Oh yes, I have. <laughs> I got the opportunity to partially part of my life to live in with people of Jewish heritage. And yes, there is life. There needs to be a bit of yelling, a little bit of, but there is so much love at the end, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So let's get back to the core core of, of this episode. So we are pushing the envelope and the idea or the assumption is that maybe people leave in their jobs to experiment with their lives. So either change industry, either go entrepreneur uh, or do something part-time uh, is a also positive for organizations. So instead of doing their best for retaining people, maybe it is best for organizations to adapt and let them go and even let them come back home. What is your take on, 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 on that idea? Yeah, I mean, I have seen many people leave an organization and go back to the same organization. And if you're clear on the reasons that you left and you're looking for the right things when you come back, that can work very well. But if you're not clear on what the issues were, you're not always solving the right problem. So that's one thing for sure. <clears throat> Your question was about whether organizations should let people go. Well, organizations don't have a choice. Like we're we're all employed at will. Like we have free choice. We can leave. Mm. It's a question of that culture. Like I believe that they should embrace some people moving on to other opportunities. If they've developed them there, that's a good thing. They're developing their people. Not everybody's the right fit for their business. Some people outgrow the company in different ways. So I think the right kind of turnover is is appropriate. It's it's positive. If someone's not fitting the culture, the best thing, like they may, I'm all about fulfilling career, happy life. And that isn't always the same place for everybody. So I think companies need to, to be willing to let that happen. However, it's very costly for an organization to have turnover, training people, recruiting people, the lack of continuity, depending on their role, interrupting customer relationships, very costly for the organization. So you want to make sure you're only losing the people for whom that's really in the company and their own best interest. Mm -hmm. So that goes back to culture. What are the things you're doing to create a culture that people don't want to leave? Like that's where the rubber meets the road. Mm -hmm. It's not about a, a program to retain people or it's not about giving retention bonuses. Look, we all want money, but that's a short-term win. If you're creating the right kind of culture, people won't want to leave. And that's that's why it's worth the investment. Indeed. And you use, I think you, that you picked the, the, the right word is about fitting the, the culture. And that can be 
kind of temporary. Let's imagine that I just want to leave because I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to give it a, sh a shot before I'm too old and, and I feel like I don't have the, the power to, uh, the energy to make it or uh, that I'm afraid that I'm not, not going to have crazy ideas uh, later on. <clears throat> um, so it, it is about the fitting. It, it is not about, we always believe that it's about having, that we want to leave only because of toxic cultures, uh, but even though that makes a big proportion, but this, I would say the second group of people, maybe they just inspire about, about going around the world for one year and a half or something like that, or doing their own business, something to, I don't know, to help in Africa or in, the, or in Latin America, whatever for one year or two years. And that is an inspiration that could be fulfilling. And then maybe they also will acquire new skills that can be promising in order to onboard somebody who left just two years ago. That could be a good option. Absolutely. I mean, that can be, you know, just, it, it's a bucket list item for many people. It's life enhancing, yeah. but it can give you a different perspective. And what I say to people is, you know, one of the beauties of today, Yvonne, is that nobody, fewer people than ever follow a specific path. People carve their own path. And, you know, for me, I was in corporate for 30 years and now I've built my own business. And so I know the energy it takes to go out an entrepreneur and that kind of thing. But I've been very fortunate to be successful in both places. But it's about telling your story. So, for example, if someone left for a year to go live in Africa or trek through the Himalayas or or do mission work or whatever that looks like, Think ahead to what is my story? How am I going to communicate the reasons that I made this unconventional choice? Hmm. And how am I going to position that when I come back in? And the right people will be really interested in that story. I've talked to a lot of, um, uh, a lot of executives who, if they're faced with two resumes, one of whom has a very conventional background and the other has some really interesting twists and turns, they personally, they may talk to them both, but they're more intrigued to talk to the person who has something unique about them and they want to hear that story. So we tend, people who are risk averse may tend to think, oh, that's going to be seen as a negative. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's going to be seen as a positive, but be ready to tell that story. What are the things that you're doing during that time to enhance yourself, to grow your perspective, to make you more valuable when you come back? Hmm. And then you seek those things out and then you, and then you take the jump and you have faith in yourself and you, you know, it's, it's remarkable to see what those things, you know, what can happen on the other side of it for the people for whom it's right. Uh, <clears throat> I think these unconventional ways of, I don't know, studying, doing our careers is going to become like kind of the normality. More and more, I see people who, I mean, they were not fit to go into the big Ivy Leagues, uh, leagues uh, universities, and they have decided to to take lessons online, a little bit of everything. I have a very close friend, by the way, who, I mean, in university, he was sucky. Let's, uh, let's call it in that way. But the guy at the age of close to the 30s, he started building her own career through uh, online courses from different universities. And now he's like uh, the one of the tech gurus in the, in the Middle East. 
uh, and that will become the, uh, the the natural path for a lot of people because we, I mean, young people also are losing faith on the system, the painful system of memorizing or having a single way of looking at a career without having the possibility of mixing what it's interesting for them, like for instance, medical with engineering, with, uh, I don't know, with astronomy, whatever is fulfilling for them. So people are making choices in terms of uh, fulfillment more than the and is going to be unconventional to come with that online degree mixed between history, engineering, and mathematics, for instance. Um, uh, and and there, Yvonne, there are some people, some hiring managers who would look at a person's resume and say they went, they didn't go to this school, I'm not interested, or that kind of a thing, or they did go to this school, I'm interested. Those things are superficial. There are people that to for whom that conventional path is very important, but the people that you're describing may not want to work for them. Exactly. So that may be fine. And I think what it comes down to is knowing ourselves. This friend that you described, the the academic path, this the book studying, that kind of thing wasn't for him. And he's very successful in his own way. Mm. However, like I can think of a friend of mine, I went to graduate school with her. She has a very structured mind and she's comfortable with routine and structure and categorization and that kind of thing. She worked her way up through accounting. She had a very successful career in finance because that's what suited her. That would not have worked for me. <clears throat> so it's about knowing ourselves. Indeed. So companies have to I, I think that the, in the future, companies who are going to be able to, to attract more people are the ones who are adapting to this trend of unconventional path, either in the studies or either in the, in the careers. The ones who are going to get really interested because Randy went to Goa during one year and a half to spend time with, I don't know, with a bunch of hippies. And that's amazing. <laughs> I'm invented. I actually, I'd like to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Goa, by the way. It's amazing. <laughs> so now, if there is a little, a little bit of resistance I, I see in corporations to what I'm going to tell you. And my oh, question... now I'm intrigued. See, <laughs> I'm intrigued. So should companies support employees who want to identify their life purpose, even if that means that after identifying the life purpose, they're going to leave their jobs. So I just want to make sure I understand what you're asking. You're, if, if people take that path and do the thing that's on their bucket list that would fulfill them so much, their life purpose, but maybe unconventional, should they support it and bring them back? No. Uh, what I meant is that imagine that a, an organization decides okay, we're going to implement a program with plenty of life coaches. And some of the discussions are going to be about, hey, what do I want to be uh, in my life? And some of these discussions will end up on discovering what you really want and you discover that you don't want to be in that company. So should companies is, is still support that kind of things? Or uh, even if they people are going to leave after you have invested, I don't know, a couple of thousands of dollars with the coaching so that they leave? <laughs> yes, I understand. And your question is actually very profound. So I think the answer is it depends. 
Like it depends on that company culture. If this is a company that brings people in and burns them out and, and doesn't really care. And some companies maybe have a very successful PL doing that, then no. But for other companies, and I've been very fortunate to work with many of those companies, I advocate yes. I think it is worth it because the reality is the right people will be even more deeply committed. And the people for whom that's not their destiny will go somewhere else and be successful. And if you think about it, it's I, I believe in a concept I call corporate karma, which, and I don't mean it in a me medical metaphysical sense. It's yeah. more what you do, the energy you put out comes back to you. And so if you want to invest in the right people being deeply committed and very strong contributors, you have to be willing that there's a bell-shaped curve. Maybe 80% of your people belong there and are deeply committed and are those people. And 20%, you send them on their way and help them find their bliss elsewhere. <laughs> That's the kind of place I want to be. That builds loyalty. You're right. I don't call it karma, but I, I call it the principle, the psychological principle of reciprocity. So when yeah. somebody's caring, even though it means, okay, life purpose coaching, and and it shows that the company is caring for you as an, as an individual, not as a number in SAP, uh, in this SAP system. Uh, I mean, I, I want to say thank you somehow. And, and and maybe that would be one of the reasons that despite, okay, maybe I want to do this, but I still, I mean, I'm going to lose my family, the people who cares about me. And that's, that's what I call the, the principle of reciprocity and people some gives loyalty back when uh, somebody, uh, they, they feel cared for. Um, is there a way to help people assess better if leaving their jobs will give them fulfillment? No. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell me more. In fact, so there's, <laughs> it goes to knowing yourself and what motivates you. And a good place to start is a free tool that I give away. It's a career satisfaction assessment. It's available on my website, which is Randy, R-A-N-D-I, robertscoaching.com. So this career satisfaction assessment is based on eight pillars of career satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And what you can do is you can assess where you fall on each of these. So if you have that sort of general, I'm not as excited about my work as I used to be. The, the litmus test I use is like, I used to jump out of bed for almost 30 years. I jumped out of bed every morning before the alarm. I was so excited to go to work. When I started hitting the snooze button, it was very telling to me. So, you know, that feeling where all of a sudden something's not as not sitting quite right. So this kind of a tool, this career satisfaction assessment can give you a good place to start on identifying what that might be. And some of those pillars are growth or challenge or leadership. Mm. So it, it just gives you a good place to start on what is that thing. And I go back to, if you don't know what the problem is, you don't know that you're solving the right one. Yeah. So it starts with self-reflection. That's why I say like, don't jump reflexively. Don't make a reactive mood move, but take the time to think about what is missing for you. What do you need in that job so that you can move very purposefully to the right thing? Listen, I'm going to put the link of the career satisfaction survey 
below this episode so that people can have access because I think that this is a, a, a really necessary tool for a lot of people where, I mean, I have friends, I, I meet a lot of people when we have chit chats and they're always kind of nagging about their, their lives. But of course, they, 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 there is no way that alone you can identify, you can have the, the, the process and the structure to identify what what is the weight of everything and to reprioritize what you need in order to be fulfilled. Maybe you need to leave the job, maybe you need to stay, uh, but you need only once you have identified where is the gap where you feel the, the, uh, the most uh, unhappy is that where you can really, as you say, target the, 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 right, the, the right problem. And maybe leaving job is not the, 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 the right solution. It's, it's exactly. And, and one thing that I think is important here too, Yvonne, is mindset. Because if we have decided that we're unhappy and we're thinking of leaving, all of a sudden we're going to see all the reasons why we're unhappy and we should leave. Mm. And so you, it may be colored a little bit. So my own personal situation, if I could share, like I have what I call a gratitude practice, which for me, it's simple. Every morning before I get out of bed, I think about something that I'm grateful for because that puts me in the mindset to see those things all day long. It's not that I, I'm I'm Pollyanna and I don't see the other stuff, but I'm not, um, I am sort of setting my nervous system up to see the stuff I want to see, which puts me in a better frame of mind to deal with the challenges that I do have. Does that make sense? And it's something I can control. I can do it. Exactly. And it makes sense. Some people who are a little bit in the, into spirituality will call it energy, but in reality, it, the brain doesn't distinguish between fiction and reality. And we can manipulate somehow our brain and pre-program it. And so the fact of reinforcing positive messages is just send, sending chemical uh, signals to our, uh, to our brain to prepare us for the, in terms of our emotions for the rest of the day which make us see things in a brighter mode and less controlled by the, the emotional side of our, uh, of our brain. Simple, sim simple as that, no energies, no sophisticated uh, moons or, or suns that are influencing our brain. <laughs> <laughs> right. Randy, I just wanted to, before we, we end this episode, and, and I wanted to thank you very much because uh, it has been quite insightful to go into this uh, development of should I or not leave my company? Should companies retain or not uh, uh, their people? Should they help them to full or should they just invest in helping them to have a fulfilled life, specifically at work? And we, we talked about karma so, and, 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 or the principle of reciprocity. And, and we have talked about how culture is about actions and not big statements, not spending millions in, uh, in employee engagement programs or culture parties, or let's go and do a transformation mixed with an engagement like a publicity because people feel it. We, it's not something that is cognitive that we reflect and we feel that something is wrong, but at the back of our emotions, the one that simplifies information knows that somehow it is like being in front of the TV with advertising. And that's 
we we feel bad on the back of our our head and i feel that this discussion is contributing a little bit more to develop better cultures and thank you very much randy and and i think that what what you are doing and i like that the fact that your career is not coaching your career is first an experienced person who has been in leadership uh, positions who can talk real truth you are you are not discussing what you read in a, in a in a book somewhere you are discussing through your experience and uh the factual things that then you combine with a methodology which is simply coaching is a delivery mode of helping uh, helping others you could have done it without but it's just a a process called coaching that helps people better right Exactly. No, that's exactly it. And I'm very fortunate because not only do I have my own experience to draw from, but the hundreds of clients that I've worked with over the years, um, drawing from their experience too, and seeing the growth that they've, uh, the the transformations that they've experienced as well. So it's been my pleasure to, uh, to be here with you today, Yvonne. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you, Randy. So if people wants to find you first, I guess that is your website, randyrobertscoaching.com. And I will write it down below this, uh, below this episode. And where else can, can, can people find you, uh, uh, Randy? Thank you for asking. Yeah, my website's a great way to get my resources, information, or contact me. Or I encourage you to listen to Fulfilling Career Happy Life podcast. Uh, which is available all the major places and also my own YouTube channel. So um, yeah, if people want to hear a little bit more, I'd love to have them listen in. Great. So I will put the link of the podcast, your website, and this assessment that is going to be quite useful for a lot of people listening today. Thank you very much, Randy. Have an excellent evening. Thank you. You as well, Yvonne.